0: KRCL Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru.
1: I'm Laura Jones and this is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. Thanks for plugging into your community with me tonight. On the show, we continue our Music Meets Activism mashup with Magnify Utah. It's a new online platform from the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs. And on their website, multicultural.utah.gov magnify, you'll find a resource and learning hub that's connecting communities, places, and multicultural stories. You hear it everywhere that we're living in polarized times. Well, Here's a place you can go to learn something, to share something, and hopefully together we can magnify Utah. Sign me up for that. Well, tonight we're gonna mash it up with Music Meets Activism as well. My guest this hour, Nicole Bordeaux, Chief Planning and Engagement Officer with Utah Transit Authority. She's gonna share her origin story and also her family as featured on Magnify Utah from the lines that divide redlining in the Salt Lake Valley It's a story map you can check out, so check out tonight's show notes for a link. And after Nicole Bordeaux's Music Meets Activism playlist, we will have just enough time to share my conversation with Kate Schatz, co-author with comedian W. Kamau Bell of Do The Work, an anti-racist activity book. First, some rallies and resources. Tonight at seven, it is Mondays in the Park at Liberty Park off the East Loop in front of the Chase Home Museum of Utah Folk Arts. It's free, wander on over at seven o'clock tonight. You can see Ballet Las Américas de Utah and Los Hermanos de los Andes. On Saturday, August 27th, it's the 2022 Poverty Summit at Christ United Methodist Church in Mill Creek. It's an event put on by Crossroads Urban Center. You can learn about the causes of hunger and homelessness in Utah and policy solutions that will reduce those problems, as well as join a community of caring and friendly people. It's a great way to get involved in the issue, to learn more, and to make a difference in your community. Also on Saturday, August 27th, it is Project Rainbow's Big Gay Barbecue at Jordan Park. You can get to know your neighborhood, find out about local LGBTQIA+, and bipoc resources, and community programs and partners. Music, games, and Hot dogs and hamburgers and snacks, vegan and vegetarian and gluten-free options will be provided at Project Rainbow's Big Gay Barbecue on Saturday, August 27th. And then save the date, Wednesday, August 31st, it is International Overdose Awareness Day at the Utah State Capitol. Join folks on the south steps of the Capitol at 7 p.m. that night. The event is hosted by Utah Naloxone, Overdose Awareness Utah, and USARA, Utah Support Advocates for Recovery Awareness. And that's rallies and resources, which you can find on our website, krcl.org, under the Community Affairs tab. But I say it's time to get going and meet Nicole Bordeaux. Music Meets Activism right here on KRCL's Radioactive. Nicole Bordeaux, Chief Planning and Engagement Officer, Utah Transit Authority. Welcome to Radioactive Music Meets Activism.
2: Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here and really excited because I've always wanted to play my music on KRCL. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) well, you know, you will be judged for your playlist. I know. And I, I, I know I will, but I'm excited for it. Okay,
1: so you've been at UTA for a while. I want to get the backstory. I think we first met when you were in the Ralph Becker administration at Salt Lake City.
2: Yeah, so I worked for Ralph Becker in as his deputy chief of staff. And uh, previous, before I, I got that position, I was in housing and neighborhood development. There we go. So I spent quite a few years uh, with Salt Lake City and then moved on to UTA. Well, you're here because it's
1: music meets activism and it's mashing up with Magnify Utah. Right. Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs has launched this new storytelling placemaking platform. And for the next several Mondays, we're going to be talking with folks that are participating. And a topic that is near and dear to your heart, in fact, you said housing and neighborhood development, is, is redlining. Your family's story is featured in From the Lines That Divide, redlining in the Salt Lake Valley story map that's part of Magnify Utah. So do you think it's important that we first talk about your identity for our radio listeners and connect that?
2: Yeah, I do think it's important. I mean, as a black uh, woman who is seven generations here in Utah, I think it's important to hear that context of where I'm coming from and that experience from all those generations that have been in Utah. Seven
1: generations. Mm
2: -hmm. My grandfather, well, my fourth great-grandfather, came with Brigham Young um, and the pioneers and settled. He was one of the three slaves that initially – were at the forefront of kind of the pioneer track. And uh, his name is Green Flake, and we just got a big monument in honor of him uh, on the 24th. So it's been exciting. But, yeah, I think it's important to understand where my family has been and where they've come from and then how I came to be as a result of that and my experience from there. Did you always understand
1: your family's story?
2: No. I think um, one of the things that we're even – uh, looking back on now, my great-grandmother, uh, they call her Lucille Bankhead, but Mary Lucille Bankhead uh, was very instrumental in the church, but also instrumental in laying the foundation so that we knew the stories. I have—I was lucky. There's several oral histories from her, several books, and really... Um, You know, the church uh, really appreciates knowing historical facts. So there is more information along my family than others have. So we're really lucky to be able to do that.
1: I know that the majority of our listeners may know this, but for those that don't, when you say the church, I just want to remind folks, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yes. It is the church.
2: (laughs) Thank you for correcting me.
1: But do check out the, the new monuments at This is the Place Heritage Park, and you can learn a little bit more about Nicole's family. But redlining, I want to describe that for folks who are, if they've never heard this term, are going to be appalled. But this is part of your family
2: story, too. Yeah, I mean, I think the redlining, I think, as a, a black woman, I've heard about it and known about it for years. But as a person who works in planning and land use, I've learned a lot more of that context. And so what it means um, just in general is that back in the 30s, The government, along with banking institutions as they were setting up the Federal Housing uh, Administration, were looking at places to invest. And as they looked at places to invest, they looked at non-desirable places to invest. And those were generally where they would only allow blacks, people of color, Latinos, um, were living. And then the other places, like more desirable places, and you can see this on the magnified map, were only allowed for uh, investment banking and then also loans to uh, white people. And so that that continues, and they call it redlining because they would actually put a red line on the map, basically saying, we don't invest here, we invest here. And so that's been you know, something that's always carried with me as far as how... Um, land use and planning and housing and really generational wealth have, have uh, moved through the country, especially around people of color. If you're able to get a mortgage,
1: you're more than likely able to pass it on to the next generation, and therefore the wealth gap between black and white that we, we talk a lot about, um, well, at least in news stories. I don't know. We talk a lot about it in our community. But I do know that Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall, current occupant of that seat, Um, has said repeatedly she keeps a copy of a redlining document related to Salt Lake City in her office, if not on her
2: desk, to remind her that her decision's impacts so many people. I, you know, I really love Mayor Mindenhall and we've journeyed together for a long time and appreciate that sentiment. Um, for me personally, I have a map of Salt Lake City. I live in the Yalecrest area and know that there were covenants and that basically on the land use that said black people cannot live here or people of color or only Caucasians. We know there's some great articles on Highland Park. Was that way, Yelcrest um, and those areas, and really knowing that you know, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, I wasn't allowed to live in those neighborhoods. Um, I wouldn't be landed to, or couldn't have those. And so, there's several covenants on uh, properties still in Salt Lake City. Well, this is where we mash it up with music meets activism, and the first song on your playlist kind of speaks to a theme. Well, yeah, I think uh, Little uh, little Pink Houses, you know, I think about it. It's about the American dream and what we're all trying to achieve. And um, one of my favorite artists and really just down home thinking about, and it starts with talking about a black man in his house and where it is. And uh, I'll let you listen to that. John Cougar Mellencamp, Music Meets Activism on
1: KRCL 90.9. Mm-hmm. The Safe UT mobile app provides a way to connect with licensed counselors ready to listen to any sized crisis or concern. Immediate, confidential, and as easy as reaching for your phone and sending that first text. Safe UT is available
0: in your app store. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru, a community partner of YWCA Utah and the Stand Against Racism Challenge. Mark Miller Subaru loves diversity. Learn more at ywcautah.org and markmillersubaru.com. Welcome back to
1: Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones, and we're continuing our series, Music Meets Activism. Tonight's guest, Nicole Bordeaux, is joining us, and you can read more about her story at Magnify Utah. We'll put a link in the show notes and get you right to the story map about her family from the lines that divide redlining the Salt Lake Valley. It's a story map, and it's part of the platform to collect and preserve the stories of folks and that's not something we've been very good at it feels like we tell a certain story very well in utah as a community the story of white pioneers of brigham young of joseph smith etc and magnify utah is really meant to speak more broadly through different generations and eras and create a a collection, a collective story in memory. And what do you think about this Magnify Utah project, Nicole?
2: Uh, you know, it's really exciting to me because as you talked about how we tell the stories of the broader audience and our diverse community, it really hits home to me. Because to think that years later, generations will be able to hear what my experience was, but also just know the diversity and the culture we have at Utah is broader than just the ABCs that we see generally. And so it the Magnify program for me is exciting. And I really am privileged to be a part of it. We talked about redlining and your family's
1: origins. You're, you're also at the, at the transportation level now with UTA. So housing, transportation, our built environment. And I would love for you to tell a bit more about your family's journey related to property, place, and redlining.
2: Yeah, I think one of the interesting stories, and you can see this in the Magnify Utah oral history piece, is that my great-grandmother, Lucille Bankhead, was um, instrumental in, you know, community and politics with Utah, and one of the things that the history that she has given us in oral history is that back in the 30s, late 30s, there is actually this effort to... uh, move blacks to a certain uh, property so they wanted to have a black community well what you know is there's people that black people that owned property there was black people that were renting property divert uh, that was a diverse community so it wasn't on one side of the block or somewhere else i'm thinking edison street yeah it used to be quite a few if not the heart of um black businesses in salt lake city and, and you see that, and so what they wanted to do, and my, my family was in the Mill Creek area and had quite a bit of farming property, and so they wanted to make a black community on 7th South and 2nd East area so that they would do segregation. Well, she heard that story, and uh, its I don't don't want to tell it, but you should look at it. But she really fought with a lot of blacks to go up to the Capitol and really say that they weren't going to sell their land and move to there. It was uh, eventually a resolution from the city commission that said, we are not going to do segregation in Utah. And I think that's an important point to the opportunities I've had where land wasn't segregated here. So the opportunity that there wasn't this concentration of black or poverty or things like that um, designated in legislation.
1: This brings us to the second song in your playlist for tonight, little Gary Clark Jr.,
2: yes what, this, tell yeah. me about this song why is it on your list well i think it's this land and i i think it gives a good perspective of being a black american and thinking about where we should be or where we are and i think that's a question for us all the time as we walk down the street you know this land is all of ours but it's not always seen that way so i love the way gary puts it kind of to paper I like it.
1: This land, Gary Clark Jr., Music Meets Activism with Nicole Bordeaux on KRCL 90.9. Marvin Gaye, Inner City Blues, Make Me Wanna Holler, another song from the Music Meets Activism playlist of my guest. Nicole Bordeaux, Chief Planning and Engagement Officer with Utah Transit Authority. Marvin Gaye. Is that just a given is on your list or were you using it to speak to what's going on currently
2: in our community, in our I, country? Absolutely. Both. <laughs> about both, but absolutely speaking about where we are today and and really wanted to align kind of the things we see and what we're struggling with, with these kind of institutional norms that were put in place uh, in the 1930s and earlier about segregation and land use and how it leads to you know, poverty, political unrest, and and activism in a good way. But these things all lead to one. And I, I was listening to that, the um, Marvin Gaye the other day, and I was like, oh, inflation? Yeah, we're there. Taxes? Yes. So it, it's, it's kind of revolutionary in the sense that until we approach these issues that we put into place a long time ago, Uh, we're not going to be able to get beyond these issues that we're struggling with, like uh, generational wealth. Where does that come from? How are we not able to um, increase that? And I think one of the other things about inner city blues, and we talked about transportation, is most of the communities in other states, they have been able to segregate their people of color Tremendously, and they generally do live around transportation infrastructure, um, you know, in and in, in both my songs they talk about, you know, the freeways going through, rail tracks going through, and you see that connection to transportation really being a barrier to access to other things and the community, so...
1: Well, tell me where you think things are headed in our community. And I know you work for UTA, but I'm going to mention some dirty words in Linport. I'm going to mention some dirty words like uh, uh, high cost of mortgages and rents and, and such. So this is just you and me talking now, yeah, all right? Right, right. <laughs> but uh, here you and I sit, a black woman and a white woman, um, we both are housed, yeah. we have jobs, and we both recognize that there's just something wrong going on. Is it the same as it ever was from your position, or is it a time of you know, are we on this abyss that I, on the cynical side of me, sees every now and then? Or is there great opportunity
2: here in this upheaval? I hope there's opportunity. I, you know, speaking as a black woman in Nicole, not UTA chief planning engagement officer. <laughs> Disclaimer. Yep, absolutely. I think, you know, as we saw 2020 in rest and people uh, really trying to activate and showing the, the wrongs, I think the underlying piece of this is that there is hope. Right? You wouldn't challenge what you have unless there's some piece of hope in this. And so it, it, I feel like when we think about housing, gentrification we look at the west side right where there were that's where we did put everybody of of color or low income in those places but now right land is expensive Mm, housing is affordable housing is expensive and those places aren't even affordable so i think we really need to think about um the hope and activism we have and really solving the problems this is just Nicole's uh, philosophy, but I think everything's like a slinky. We move forward, but it's definitely a revolution, and it's you know very mimics 1960s, a, the civil rights movement, and we're hoping that with every revolution we're making progress. So that's my that's my little philosophy of how we get out of this a little bit. I like it. And it feels like a Brittany Howard moment, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. All right. What are you going to share from from the your playlist now? Well, I love Goathead and Brittany Howard and her experience of just being black, biracial, I would say, but black in Alabama and where it was in 1984 and where we're going. And um, hopefully uh, people can see kind of the struggle, but also see uh, the promise of where we can get out of. So.
1: All right. Here we go. Brittany Howard Goathead on KRCL 90.9. Music meets activism with Nicole Bordeaux. Welcome back to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9. I'm Laura Jones, and coming up at 7 o'clock, it is Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman, followed by Red, White, and Blues at 8, and then Night Train at 10.30. You can listen to any show for the last two weeks on demand at our website, krcl.org. Just click on the programming tab. We're going to wrap our conversation with Nicole Bordeaux here. Music Meets Activism mashed up against Magnify Utah, a new program collecting and preserving stories in a variety of formats through the Division of Multicultural Affairs with the state of Utah. We'll put a link in the show notes so you can check out Magnify Utah. You can add your own story, but you can also check out Nicole Bordeaux's family story on the story map. It's called From the Lines That Divide, Redlining, in the salt lake valley so just in closing here we got one more song on your list i'm really excited for you to share and 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 tell folks why you want it in this conversation in particular but what's your message to communities about how we better tell our stories how and i mean telling them better but how we better do it as well in order to find some
2: common ground. Right. I think, well, I think picking this song is really about kind of opening up the envelope of everything that's out there. I, I really like the idea of sharing your experiences and being able to do it without judgment and also starting these conversations, to your point about how do we move past zero. You can't do it without both of us understanding the context and what we're living in. And I think, you know, years we felt... I know as a black woman, especially living in Utah, um, revealing my truth was always questionable. Was it a safe environment to do that? Uh, Will I be judged? Will I be seen as just, oh, you're just pulling out the race card, which I've heard several times. And so if we're able to pull all those labels and all those things away from it and really talk about what the experience is that we're having, I think you can start addressing what issues there are. You know, I'm kind of curious how you view
1: social media as a tool for good or bad <laughs> in this conversation because it, it, you're not sitting face-to-face like you and I are right now. I'm not going to flame you with a troll response sitting right
2: next to you. And the playlist is on point, by the way. Oh, so. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You know, that was my 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 excited point. I think social media, for me, and I want to, you know, give that caveat, but I don't know if I think it's the best relationship-building piece. I, everybody knows I'm about yeah. relationships. And revealing my truth at a blank wall does not have that engagement that we need to move past it. I don't understand your reaction. You can't question me for context where I may misstep. And also, social media for me, it's entertainment versus you know, something that we're really engaging with as a community. So I think there's great things on social media. I scroll like everybody else does. But I think when I'm talking about racial issues or community issues, I want to sit down with the community and have that talk. I feel like you can't, I always say that people will love Nicole, but they may not like black people. Mm. I've heard that a lot of times. Oh, well, you're different. No, I'm your example. But I'm the o- probably the only person you know is a black person in Utah growing up. But what we feel is we've built this context around what you should be versus the actual engagement in the person you are. Mm. And I think when people meet you, they think you're different. But it's not. I'm, I am the norm. Yeah. I'm not the exception. So I think social media really puts people into categories that they can't build mm. their personal And it's a relationship destroyer, you know. I asked if it could build relationships. It
1: can certainly destroy them. But uh, hopefully Magnify Utah will be sharing a lot of what they do on social media, maybe putting some of that good stuff into that stream.
2: Right, which I think would be great. And also adding other people's experiences that aren't on there. Let's make sure we're building those voices um, in the future. So I'm excited to see how we go.
1: If you just joined us, I'm talking with Nicole Bordeaux, and in relation to this Magnify Utah project, we're mashing it up on Mondays with Music Meets Activism and meeting folks that are taking part or a part of Magnify Utah through the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs, check tonight's show notes. You'll get a link. There's story maps. There's ways to tell your story. And it's really about trying to bring us closer together by revealing our stories to each other. And I think that word reveal plays into your final pick here on your playlist for Music Meets Activism on Radioactive.
2: Yeah, it's really exciting for me to put um, I Can't Breathe from her. I think we all know about George Floyd and kind of the unrest we we all felt as a community at that time. But I think it was so important, and there's several black artists that did this at the time, but tried to put this in their art. And I think it's beautiful, and I think it's a kind way of saying, here's our experience at the table, and we want you to hear what's been going on so I uh, it's Grammy award winning her for you know
1: having everything revealed the stage name of Gabby Wilson and the final song on Nicole Bordeaux's Music Meets Activism playlist
2: thank you so much for coming in it's good to see you and reconnect yes thank you and I'm like I said big fan big fan of the show and excited I actually got to sit in this chair so thank you KRCL, your community connection since 1979.
0: Welcome
1: back to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9. I'm Laura Jones. And coming up at 7, it is Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman, Red, White & Blues with Brian Kelm at 8, Night Train with Michelle at 10.30, and John Florence brings you a brand new day at 6 a.m. Questions, comments, suggestions, perhaps someone you'd like to hear from. On Music Meets Activism this month, Send me an email with all the information, the address radioactive at krcl.org. I recently had the opportunity to talk with one of the award-winning co-authors of Do the Work, an anti-racist activity book. New this summer, the book was born from the racial and civil rights reckoning that transpired in the aftermath of the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and countless other black and brown people. It's written by Emmy Award-winning socio-political comedian W. Kamau Bell and New York Times bestselling author Kate Schatz. It's a workbook format that gives us adults a hands-on understanding of systemic racism and how we can dismantle it. So here we go, my conversation with Kate Schatz. Hi, Kate, how you
0: doing? I'm, you know, I've been up since four in the morning <laughs> and I've been talking to people about this book and I couldn't be happier about it. So how did this project come together? Did you know Kamau? Did Kamau know you? Had you worked together before? Yeah. Long story short, uh, Kamau and I have been friends for a number of years. We're kind of mutual fans of each other. Um, He was reading my children's books to his daughters. uh, And I used to go see him do stand-up here in the San Francisco Bay Area. um, And we eventually connected over the years and uh, have become good friends. Um, This book came about uh, in the wake of the murder of George Floyd at the hands of the Minneapolis police in, in 2020. Uh, right after that happened, Kamau, who again is a, is a black man and a, and a comedian and a TV host with a big profile, he found himself being asked constantly by white people, what can I do? Oh no, we're having this racial reckoning. What do I do? Kamau, what do I do? And those people weren't just, as he says, the regular white people. It was like Conan O'Brien and Jimmy Fallon kind of thing. They were, booking <laughs> him on their, he was, they were booking him on their shows and asking, what do we do? So Kamal reached out to me because um, we, like I said, we're friends. And he was like, can you help me talk to these white people? And I said, yes, I'd be happy to. And for him, he was like, he's like, he felt like he was out of things to say. He felt like he was saying the same thing. And, and he just, he wanted my help with that. And um, so eventually it turned, we were like, look, well, what if we just take this and, and we make a book? Um, we decided to do an activity book.
1: I love it because an academic dome, I think it's part of the the problem for folks that are asking that question, what do we do? And this is a thing of beauty. It's Thank organized you. so well, so many different things. And for you know my short attention span, I love to pop around in it. There's things you can tear out. You encourage people to write on this book and Absolutely. do exactly that. And I, I love the, the intro where you also say, uh, we'll probably swear. I find myself Mm -hmm. having to remind myself not to swear on the show because that will get me in trouble.
0: I will keep my mouth clean.
1: (laughs) I can bleep it after the fact, but um, you know, it is frustrating work
0: and you guys don't shy away from that. No, we don't. You know, we like to say this book is not a, it's a coffee stain book, not a coffee table book. (laughs) No, we don't. And we say, you know, if you, if, if you bought this today and then we see you in, six months, and it doesn't look, it's not bent and crumpled and missing pages, then we don't think you really did it. This yeah. is to be, it's a workbook. And, you know, the, the idea for that came in part because we're both parents. Um, between the two of us, I have three kids, he's got three kids. And we wrote this book during the pandemic when we were home with all of those kids. And we were seeing how they were learning on Zoom in our, the activity books we got them so their brains didn't turn to mush. And we thought, you know, look, How do you get a third grader interested in math? Well, you make it a video game with a bunch of rocket ships. How do we get adults to want to think about white supremacy and racism? Well, they're not really finishing all those books that they bought in 2020, those 500-page books about the history of the prison system, which are brilliant and incredibly important. Um, But maybe they don't know what to do after they read those books or get halfway through. So So this is a
1: a starter kit in many ways. And so who is it for? Because, you know, little kids, they'll take this information at face value. And I think something like this helps me as a grown up who might be defensive about my backstory and this issue.
0: It helps me get into it. Yeah. So this book, uh, so kids, kids are actually, kids are really smart. Kids are kind of much better at this. Uh, I always say nobody understands justice more than children. They're obsessed with what's right and what's wrong. They're obsessed with fair and not fair. He got more than me. That's not fair. Why would you do that? Um, we also know that no child is born racist. This is all learned. So we're going for the adults with this book. It's for grownups. Um, it's for teenagers and Hey, my nine-year-olds read it. There's swears in it, but I'm okay with that. But, uh, so it's also for white people. I mean, I say that because I like to be very blunt about it. Um, I have heard from and talked to people of color who are excited and are learning things and love the book. That is fantastic. Um, but when it comes to having the hard conversations about race and racism, um, I'm, I'm targeting my audience here as the white people um, who, who are having a hard time with those conversations and want to know what to do.
1: Well, and the very first thing is you made a sign for us and white supremacy, and you say, hang it up, put it somewhere. You know, we love our signs in our protest communities, right? So Mm -hmm. there's lots of things like that. And chapter four, things you can do. In fact, in your intro, you're like, hey, skip ahead. That's fine. Go right to chapter four if you're looking for things to do. What are some of
0: the things you recommend? Oh, so we recommend all kinds of things. We have a one of the pages is a we call it donation bingo, where we made a bingo card and each square is a different kind of Unexpected idea for how you can um, donate your money. If you've got the financial means, you know. A lot of times, people are like, "Well, I give to Planned Parenthood, I give to the ACLU, love and support, and am a member of both of those organizations." But there's a lot of other ways to give money. There's mutual aid funds in every community. There's abortion funds if you're if you're concerned about Roe v. Wade. Um, you can go on Donors Choose. Here's one I love. I love Donors Choose which is a great website where teachers can raise money for classroom projects. Go on donors choose and you can search anti-racism. You can search LGBTQ+. You can find teachers who are trying to get books in their classrooms specifically on these issues. And send them 100 bucks. Send them 50 bucks If you've got it, you can fund. Usually they're trying to raise like $300 for these books. You could fund an entire classroom in a state far away from you today.
1: <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, there's some questions that that you pose. I mean, folks who don't have exposure to the history of racism in our country or live in largely homogenous white communities, which describes Utah, by and large, and maybe didn't learn about it in public school, you have sections in this book where you can experience those questions that you would have had to have passed to vote back in 1965. And I, I run across people like, no, that just that seems irrational. No one would ever do this. This is what happened in our country.
0: Yeah. And it wasn't that long ago. Nope.
1: nope. And that's in this book. You can take this quiz and see how you would do in 1965 as a black person trying to pass this quiz just to exercise your right to vote. There's moments like this throughout the book. What are some of your favorites?
0: Mm, well, I do like that. That is the Alabama Literacy Test from 1965. Um, you know, I do. I love... I love history. I'm a history dork. Um, You know, we've got one page, there's a section where we've got different photos of of moments from the pivotal moments in American history, but they're not as recognizable as the ones that usually show up in history books. And we present them in that section as um, here's an important moment in American history. What do you know about it? Who is that in that photo? Who are these people? Um, And one of them, there's a photo of some white people and they're celebrating and they're smoking a cigar and they look really happy. And we say, who, who are these people? It's in black and white. Um, the answer when you turn the page is um, it's the killers of Emmett Till and they're celebrating when the all white jury acquitted them of his murder. Um, and it's a heartbreaking, you know, moment and, and photo because you're looking at a moment of joy and it's and it's. Um, you know, but it's not something that's going to be recognizable to everybody. So um, we wanted to, I you know, I, I, I like that page for its kind of historical moment. We also have a section called uh, Jim Crow or Jim Foe. And it's a page where it's a big list of all these different uh, laws that were on the books during the Jim Crow era. And the challenge is to find which ones are faux, which ones aren't, weren't real. Um, I'm not going to give away the answer. You'll have to do the activity. Exactly. But, you got to um, do the work, right? got to do the work. <laughs>
1: You know, one of the aspects of trying to find resources is, is my own defensiveness. Um, and white folks in particular, I don't want to be called a racist. I don't want to have that epithet Nolan does thrown at them. Um, it's uncomfortable. And you guys yeah. face that in this book. What's your advice for folks who might be resistant because of that?
0: You know, I say, you know what is worse than being accused of being racist or being called racist it's experiencing racism. So I think that I could go on and on, but that's the
1: perspective. Um, You, you also, you and Kamal, you share the times that you mess up. I think that's (laughs) one of the hard things because we're so afraid that if we mess up, we're going to be voted off the Island. We're going to be canceled. So you share the times you mess up.
0: Absolutely. Um, That's really important for us. We could have written many more examples Kamau shares an example, it's funny, he shares an example in there of a time that he went on live TV um, uh, with a local news reporter and he mistook her for the other Asian woman news reporter on that network and called her by the wrong name and made the assumption live on air. And she, in that moment, called him out and corrected him. And he, as he says, could have just, just been horrified and moved on, but he called it out they acknowledged it they talked about how he had done that and they made it kind of a moment um, and i love that actually today he went back on her show uh, to do an interview with her about this book uh, and i know they're going to be talking about that but yeah sharing those moments because it's really important especially for me as a white person doing this book i am not a perfect anti- racist there is no such thing i am still learning i'm still getting it wrong and I'm willing to take the risk of continuing to do the work.
1: I think this would be a great book to do in book clubs because you could have those moments together. I think one of the biggest fears is being called out by someone who feels they're more virtuous at this work, right? And it's not yeah. a competition. It's a personal
0: endeavor. Yeah. It's, it is. And it's a, it's an opportunity to do better. You know, look, I got, I like Peloton. I get on my Peloton. I do my workouts. And one of my favorite instructors Every time there's about to be something really hard in the Peloton thing, she says, Okay, you've got an opportunity coming up. She doesn't say this is going to suck or it's going to be terrible. She said, You have an incredible opportunity right now to push yourself hard. And I'd say that's the same thing. When you mess up, if you get it wrong, if someone calls you out, you have a great opportunity to learn and do better
1: well kate thank you so much for giving us some time for your collaboration with kamau on do the work we'll put a link in the show notes so folks can check it out and pick it up but also thank you for all your rad american women works as well oh
0: thank you so much i really enjoyed talking to you
1: and that's kate Schatz, co-author with comedian w kamau bell of do the work an anti-racist activity book Check tonight's show notes for a link as well as the Music Meets Activism playlist from my guest earlier this evening, Nicole Bordeaux. I'm Laura Jones. Thanks for listening. And thanks for plugging into your community every weeknight at 6 with Radioactive, only on KRCL.
2: KRCL 90.9 FM HD1 in Salt Lake City, Ogden, and Provo. 96.7 FM in Park City, on the web at krcl.org. Listener supported, community radio. Get that clunker off your to-do list and out of your backyard forever. KRCL's car donation partner, Cars, Inc., will tow your vehicle and donate the proceeds to KRCL. Find out if you can get a tax deduction for your used vehicle donation by visiting the support tab at krcl.org.